what time it is. Welcome to the Rootsog Show. You probably recognize this song if you're into the NBA thing, especially this year. It's an early season. And, of course, that's the Dallas Mavericks intro song. If you've ever been there, you should know that that's the song you hear the minute the Mavericks touch the court. Speaking of the Mavericks, this is a special show. Speaking to a former Dallas Maverick, Mr. Harold Keeling himself. Harold, welcome to the show. How are you? Thanks for taking your time out to talk to me this afternoon. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Glad glad to hear that. There's um, you know, the the, the NBA season is in is in full swing. Mavericks aren't doing as well without Porzingis in the mix, but that's a that's that's a different time for a different conversation. We want to talk more about more about you as a player. Uh, you you were born in Nolens, as people know as New Orleans. If you don't, now you know that. <laughs> now you know the pronunciation is Nolens. Uh, but you were you were born here, uh, Venezuelan. But you weren't limited just playing for the Mavericks in the mid 1980s. Uh, you attended Santa Clara University, which is in San Francisco, California, um, and you were part of the Venezuelan uh, America's uh, Tournament of America's team in 2001. Um, if you would give give the listeners a, a, an idea of what it's like being a young man and being drafted by this NBA franchise, which is still one of the best in the in the association, as it were, uh, and what was it like in, in the 80s for you? The Dallas Mavericks is a very uh, good organization. I was very happy to be drafted by them. I played at Santa Clara from 81 and I graduated in 1985. You know, back then, more people went to school for four years. It wasn't a one-and-done type situation. But I was very happy to be drafted by the Mavericks after playing in the NBA pre-draft camp and uh, Aloha Classic in Hawaii with the top 40 players in the nation and going through all of the camps. It was very exciting for me. You mentioned me uh, going to Santa Clara University. Uh, I enjoyed it out there. I grew up in San Francisco. Like you mentioned, I was born in New Orleans. Growing up in in California was a great situation, and Silicon Valley has tremendously blown up out there. I'm looking forward to the 49ers winning this weekend to go to the Super Bowl. And after playing with the Mavericks, I played 18 years overseas. So I was... Uh, playing in Venezuela for a very long time. After playing in Israel for a couple of years, I played in France for four years. I played in the Philippines, and then I began playing in Venezuela. And I played there the rest of my career. I was uh, I was married in Venezuela and ended up getting dual citizenship. That's how I was able to play on the, the national team. So I played on that team for several years as well. So uh, I had a good time, and I played until I was 40 years old. Basketball is something that we all wish we could play for the rest of our lives, but at some point. You have to hang them up and do something else. Yeah, and you definitely one know. One of the reasons why I'm here is that something else that I'm doing is working with the group homes. It, it, exactly. We're going to go into that in, 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 in half a second. During the 1980s, and, and I remember I was, I was a teenager in the 80s, and, of course, you know, you had the great Lakers with the, you know, Lake Show. Magic Johnson was at his, you know, prime. Right. And you, had, uh, you, you had Lake Show. I was born in, uh, in, in, in Southern California. I didn't, I didn't get to – uh, the the Bay Area until quite a while later, and my daughter, who's now thirteen, um, her 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 papa was a huge 49ers fan. You speak of the 49ers, and I don't know that they're going right. to win this weekend. The jury's still out on that. They got to face a very difficult <laughs> Packers team, but the Packers are traveling in, so we're going to see how how that goes. But right. b- before he passed away, 
he made sure that he went to those games. He wanted me to go with him. So I said, okay, fine. So I'll go. So I went, I experienced, um, a lot of booze, um, from visiting teams Uh-oh. that <laughs> came into, uh, a- at the time candlestick park before Levi stadium was built, as you know. That's it. Um, and I, <laughs> well, I, my, my my daughter was born in the Bay Area, so I'm, I'm very familiar with Oakland, San Francisco, Chinatown. Yeah. You know, I, I I get some great Indian food. You know, downtown as well as San Francisco. Right. Um, I, I don't know where to get any Venezuelan food. I'm just gonna throw that out there. I don't know where to get <laughs> that there. Uh, but I certainly in, enjoyed being there, the environment, the atmosphere. Um, and I did recognize where Santa Clara University was. A very nice, beautiful luxury university um and of course now i don't know what it was like back in the 80s but i know that now it's a very uh, illustrious well-known university that most people want to go to um and when you play 40 year when, when you play so long in the nba or just like in the nfl or any other professional sports organization you know to play until you're 40 years old that's got to be tough what were the what were the the attributions uh, to you playing for so long for so many different organizations, including overseas, to where you just said, you know what, I'm done. I, at, at one point, I, after playing until I was 40 years old, going back and forth started to be a little bit of a burden for my family and my kids because my kids were going to school from August to December in the United States, and the season in Venezuela is from January until July. So they would go to school in, in Venezuela in, in a Spanish school while from January to July and an American school here in the United States, here in Atlanta from August until December. So at, at some point, you know, having three kids, we were traveling back and forth. And uh, I was still a starter on the team in my last year, but I wasn't dominating the league like I had before. So I made it a, uh, I made a move to start thinking about my family a little bit more and having them get a foundation and settle down here in the United States where we know our future would be. And right. I decided to stop playing at that point. Okay. You know, fair enough, because we, we, we all get to that point in life to say, I'm done. You know, I knew what I needed to do. I did what I had to do. I did what I was able to do and, and what God allowed for, for me to do. Uh, I didn't start broadcasting until I was 40. And before wow. then, well – you know, the kind of rest is history, but I did recognize that at, at, at some point you just got to know when to say when, and sometimes right. that, that big break doesn't happen. And let's kind of segue this into what you're currently doing now. You are a very busy guy. <laughs> I'll say that right off the bat. And, it, but, yeah. but, 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 but it's not only you, it's not only you who are involved in this. You have multiple people involved in this. And of course your, your wonderful wife, Michelle, Keeling also involved in this process, e- even still, maybe not as intricately as you were once before, but still very uh, a, much a part of who you are as people, as parents, as individuals, um, and as humanitarians, if you really want to go that, that direction. Um, Absolutely. And so when that, when the idea came about, whose idea was it? Is there an ownership stake and whose idea? You guys go back and forth yeah. to dinner time. <laughs> whose thought it was to start something like this? Um, right. <laughs> That's a good question. Actually, when I was in my last year playing overseas, my sister was working at a group home. So she had worked at a group home for a couple of years before I retired. And then my grandmother passed away. 
my grandmother was the person in New Orleans where I was born in the projects, and she had all the kids over for cookies and milk and frozen cups. You know, you pour the Kool-Aid in the little plastic cup oh, and yeah. put it in the freezer, yeah. and all the kids would come over and play checkers, and <laughs> she was the neighborhood home. Right. So when she passed away and my sister was working at a group home, that's when my sister said that we can do something like this because I know how to do it. We just need to get the homes and the vans and the furniture and, and get the whole thing going, go through the state and get kids from uh, Department of Children, Department of Family and Children Services, and we can go forward with this. So we, we decided to give it a go, and we named the place after my grandmother. And then my mom, Jennifer Keeling, has been here the whole time, and my sister, Jamila Miggins, has been here the whole time. So, like I said, we're in our 16th year, and we've helped over 1,000 kids, and it's been a, it's been a good run for us. Well, and the run, well, the run continues. The, the run continues. Michelle, I, I kind of like to bring you in here be, because you were you were so much a part of this, and, and, and you still are. What was it about from from a mother's standpoint? Now, yes, you, you, you have your own children. You have Michael, Anthony, Kai, and Alyssa, and, and, and those are obviously your own. How did, how did you find a way to make room in your heart, in your mind, in your soul, and, and, and in the personal fibers of who you are to allow for more children to occupy those spaces to give them your motherly instincts, your motherly intuition, the love, the understanding, the compassion, everything that, that goes in to being a parent where these children did not have any? Mm-hmm. Um, well, first of all, thank you for, for having me on. It was just natural. I mean, I'm just really a giver, and I love to see children succeed, even if we just reach one kid, you know, because a lot of times these kids come from broken homes, and, you know, they haven't seen anything outside of where they live. So it's always been a joy for us to nurture them and to teach them etiquette and right from wrong. And um, we have so many services, um, as Harold mentioned to you earlier, you know, they get therapy and counseling and sexual education, and they have men's groups, and we have men that come and talk to them to show them how to be a great part of society. And it just warms my heart to just give. You know, I've, I've put a couple of kids in, in college just wanting to see them succeed and just having that natural mother nurturing instinct um, has been very gratifying and one thing i really like is when the kids leave and years later they come back and they talk to the current kids that are at the group home and it just really warms my my heart to see them succeed and do well watching them succeed and the feeling knowing that you were an integral part of that what role did your mom play with with your life what did she instill in you was it the motherly instinct? Was it the ability to be compassionate? What what key elements did she instill in you that enabled for you to still continue what you are doing now from your perspective? Mm -hmm. My mom has always taught me to treat people how you want to be treated. And when you do things, to do it from your heart and not expect anything back. And the Lord will bless you abundantly. And that's what I've always lived by. Well, that's where you're at right now. I mean, you guys are still you guys are still going strong. Um, you you guys have an an, an additional business and associated. Um, well, 
in, in somewhat of an association, I guess. Um, it's called the Rally Residence, and everybody should definitely check that out. I'm going to have the website uh, address and how you can get involved for you as well as maybe starting your own, doing your own thing. There are tons of underprivileged kids in this country um, that that need somebody like you, the designated um, motherly, instinctually sound, uh, financially secured individuals to help these kids because there is no end to this. This happens all the time. Children are homeless. I can't believe people in this, children in this country go hungry. I don't even know how that works, yeah. but it does, and it happens all the time. Um, yeah. th this is Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show. It's a very special edition uh, with Harold Keeling and his wife, Michelle. Uh, we're, we're, we're talking about the rally residents. Uh, but there's something in addition to all of this uh, that, that really kind of, I don't know, it just kind of gravitates me towards knowing knowing more about it. So for, for the listeners what does it take to do so to put something like this together? What is the, what are the hardest aspects to this to make this become a reality to continue helping these underprivileged younger uh, uh, boys and girls to uh, to become these wonderful residents and and and, fanta and fantastic patrons um, in this country that that we just need more of. Well, in my opinion. Um, of course, you have to have finances, you have to have the time, and you want to do it from your heart. Like Harold mentioned earlier, you know, there's not a lot of uh, money in child care, and you just really have to want to service these children. And when you do it from your heart, it's just great. I mean, we have a great staff. Um, like Harold said, you know, we're a family-ran business. My mother-in-law works there, my sister-in-law. So you have your grandmother, your aunt, your uncle. We're all these people to these boys, and it's just a wonderful thing. You have to have a close-knit staff, and you have to be hands-on. Our group home is very hands-on, and we are there every day. And, you know, we make sure the kids' needs are all met. Hey, Reyes, another thing we do is I build full-court basketball courts in both group homes. We are out there yesterday. Today we're going to the basketball camp right after this uh, interview, and we will play at the camp. I have a camp in the summertime. It has about 60 kids there. It's called the Camp of Champions, and a guy who uh, also played overseas, his name is Daryl Battles, he owns the camp, and I run the camp, and we have the, all, all of our kids get go to the camp, and they go on field trips and have lunch and breakfast and a snack afterwards, but they go to the movies and go skating, go to the uh, base, uh, Braves games. So with that being said, there's a big basketball player at the group home. We got uh, one of our guys at a game last night and played. He's on the high school team. A couple guys played on the football team. We have a couple guys who are in college now who went to, who was at Raleigh residence, and they graduated out and went on to go to college. And we're really excited about the things that guys have done with their life after being at the Raleigh residence because I think that's the most satisfying part of the whole situation when you see a guy – come to Raleigh residents from a shelter or under uh, privileged home and they end up going in the right direction. They've come back with their own kids and their wives and telling us where they work at that type thing really, really makes me feel good. Well, well, not only that, but teaching, teaching them from, from the onset, what it's like to share the ball, share the time, share the understanding, share the knowledge, 
between a, a, a group setting and an organized team sports setting. A lot of them don't really have that. A lot of young boys don't have that type of, look, your job is to pass the ball. You know, your job is to stay inside the paint, you know, to, to really get them to understand what the dynamics are around surrounding team sport and responsibilities of what it's like when you're on the court. Same thing applies to life when you're not on the court. And the fact that that this is able to uh, be embedded as a part of who they are as as young adults, they carry that through through their life. And, and in that life, they make the conscious decision. say, you know what? I enjoy basketball. I love it. I'm going to go join. I'm going to go to college. I'm going to do everything I can because I love the game. I appreciate everything that was done for me. And I want to make sure that I'm able to give back to those as they have given back to me. And I think that that's the most important part that I believe most most don't understand in, in, in that, that ha, that's not something that people learn. It can be learned, but it's not something that you're just born with in the understanding. Well, I'm going to be responsible and I'm going to you know, make sure that I take care of my my responsibilities at, at, at these homes. And of course you have two of them. They've been open since 2004 and, and you teach Spanish at, at the Excel Preparatory Academy. Um, and then uh, you also uh, work at the Bray and Christian uh, Early Learning Academy as well. So you, you, you have the ability to touch so many uh, since 2004. Has there been one particular individual with no no names of course but has there been one particular outstanding young man that has really you know started off super super slow and then ended up just being a superstar when they came back to see you um yeah we have actually two two in mind i'll talk about one and then i'll let harold talk about uh the other and this is just recently we have a, a young man rocky start you know he ended up doing really well. He plays sports, and because he's been at the group home, he sees how much we give to people. So recently, a young man at a friend's school, his house burnt down. And out the kindness of his heart, without anyone asking him or telling him anything, he used his own hard-earned money to get a bicycle for one of the young men that lived in the home that burned down. And he went to the school and delivered it to the kid. And we were just so amazed with his giving heart. And he appreciates what we do for him. So that, in turn, made him want to give to other people. And I just hope moving forward, you know, we'll touch more people, more young men like that, so they want to give back um, the way the, the young man gave back. Briefly, I'll mention one more uh, guy that I really have a big heart for. He came here from a shelter, and he had all F's in school because he was unable to get to school. After coming into Raleigh residence, he stayed there almost three years, and when he then he graduated, went on to West Georgia University and graduated from there. And just recently, he was on the Dr. Field show talking about foster kids and all of the, some of the situations in his life. We were so proud of this young guy. I mean, I almost want to mention his name. He'd probably get pretty excited about it, but we're not supposed to do that. In any case, he is a guest speaker, and he has spoken at several events around here in the Atlanta area, and he speaks at graduations and all type of other events for kids and youth and adults, and that is something that I'm really, really proud of. So that's another situation, but we have many others that guys have come to do well. I mean, all of them don't end up doing well, but we're really excited about the ones who do. Well, the ones that 
that do are the ones that really picked up where where you left off. They had taken all that information, all the advice, all the care, and 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 understanding where you come from. And you know what I'm talking about, Harold. When you know where you come from, yes, and, and and you've went through the struggles, you can relate, and it makes it relatable, and it makes it easier to provide that type of connection to these young men. And it's so critical to have that that most people don't don't think that that is a way to get them through to someone who's having a really hard time in life. And so they don't use that right. association. But the minute you use that right. association, it's everything. It breaks the ice. It's a breakthrough. It's hallelujah. Let's get this done. You know, it's just a big epiphany. Yeah, here. It just mean. kind of flow, just kind of flows through. So exactly. I, I want to do, I do want to mention we're a nonprofit organization and we get donations from various uh, like, NBA players, if we, whenever we can, or other people who have helped us with our Christmas drive, and anytime we can get a donation, it helps us. But at the same time, the government—these are the government's kids. That's what makes us able to be a nonprofit uh, organization. And with that being said, the government helps us with uh, their medical. It help they help us with uh, their uh, their clothes, that type thing. So it makes it takes a burden off of us to be able to get assistance from the government. I mean, I would like it to be more so we could provide a better situation for the kids. But at the same time, they help us get all of, a lot of the needs that the kids have to help provide an adequate situation for them. Right, right. How can people how can people donate to help make the situation that much better so that way you can you can help positively affect even more young young boys. Fantastic. We our website is RaleighResidence.org and www.RaleighResidence. Raleigh is spelled R-O-W-L-E-Y-R-E-S-I-D-E-N-C-E.org. And uh, hey, when, listeners, whenever you have time, please go to our website. You'll see a lot of the things that we have going on. And also, uh, there's a donate button if you uh, can find it in kindness of your heart to help help us out. We're trying to send a couple kids to uh, visit their family uh out of state on vacations we have we're trying to get some more coats we have a small coat drive we're trying to get some uh sofas for the the house for one of the houses the other one's the other house is in very good standing and whatever else we can do we're trying to go we're trying to go to a hawks game that type thing the, the additional stuff is what the government doesn't provide they provide the basics food and shelter that type thing but uh we have we have been able to keep a smile on a kid's face on most most days and it's their home for right now so there's no place like home being with your own family but while they're here they we're happy with the smiles that we have been putting on the guys faces i mean just just the basketball court was uh was enormous for us and we got help from some of the guys to to get put that up in both houses and we go out there almost every day that doesn't cost us anything but it's a, a ball of fun so I still got to go out there and show the guys who's boss over there. You know, you know what I mean, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. I do understand. Sometimes you got to go out there and just start laying down the, laying down the law. You know, let them know, let them know what's going on, and say, you know what, this remind is. Remind them. Yeah, yeah. It's a reminder. The minute you show up, they're like, uh oh, <laughs> we don't straight up our act. <laughs> We're gonna ask yeah, some serious we love problems. We out there, man. It's so much smack talked on that outside court back in the backyard. It's ridiculous. 
I'm sure there is. I'm sure there is. This is Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show. This is this is on iTunes. So everybody go subscribe. Throw me a subscription on there. I'm going to have interviews like this going on all year long. No, no, don't worry about it. It's going to happen. Of course, I have Harold Keeley and his wife, Michelle, uh, joining me talking about the Rally House and how you can get involved. Go to rallyhouse.org. Uh, contribute, help any way that you can because I'll tell you, this is an ongoing situation, and there is no there is no cease to this. Hey, hey Ray, it says Raleigh residents. Raleigh residents. I'm sorry. R-E-S-I-D-E-N-C-E. residents.org. Okay, make sure you contribute there. My mistake. I'm trying to recover here. Um, so last, last, last but not least, I I know we were talking about the Mavericks, and I know we're talking about how. They're kind of doing okay, but could be doing a lot better right now. Do you, do you keep in contact with any past Maverick players that are maybe uh, helping to contribute to what you're trying to accomplish here at Rally Residence? I talk to quite a few guys, actually. Uh, you know, some of the guys that are in the NBA Retired Players Association. So, and one of the guys that, that I will mention straight off is, is Steve Nash. You know, he played for the Mavericks. He and I went to the same university at Santa Clara University. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bill Duffy is his agent, who was my roommate at Santa Clara when we went on a road trip. So, you, you know how when you go to college, you kind of keep together. It's almost like a fraternity somewhat. Right. Even guys who you play with and against. You know, Dale, and I, Dale Ellis and I played together at the, with the Mavericks. And he's the president of the Retired Players Association. So we talk a couple times a week to make sure that we're doing things for the community and we're getting involved. And we, we ran a camp two weeks ago. And it was really good for the uh, uh, inner city kids in Atlanta. We had Charlie Scott, who was a Hall of, Fam- Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. And we had uh, Terry Cummins was there, who used to play for DePaul and played for the Clippers and Milwaukee Bucks. And it was probably about seven of us over there. Mario West, who played for the Atlanta Hawks. And he actually connected me with this situation that allowed me to be on this radio station. So it's a lot of guys that – it's a big community of, of players and retired players. You know, we all often – go to the NBA All-Star Weekend. They have the NBA Retired Players Brunch on the Sunday before the game. And all of those guys come. Last year, Michael Jordan came and Steph Curry and Dr. J and George Gurman. It, it's amazing because it's like 500 uh, guys there who played out there through the weekend. And um, I took a picture with Bill Russell. And it's just amazing to see all these players, guys who I grew up watching. And it totally amazes me. It's, it's nice to be in the community with all the, uh, all the players. Definitely helps a, a whole lot, especially when you have all the same mindsets, all the same attitudes. Everybody comes from different, diverse backgrounds. Some of them made it, you know, uh, and, and, and played as long as they wanted to. Some played as long as they could physically. Uh, right. And, and But the underlying meaning to all this is that this is an association. It, it should be called the National Brotherhood Association. <laughs> it's the National Basketball Association because that's really what it is. You know, when you get all these guys – you know, who started out maybe drafted in the same round or, you know, maybe even competitors. Right. Yeah, yeah. So so you, you you have this, you know, this this brotherhood, and Steve Nash is a part of that. And he's, he's obviously a Hall of Famer. And, you know, Dr. J, I mean, the, the list goes on and on and on. The reason why I right. call it the National Brotherhood Association is because everybody keeps in contact with everybody. It's not as if, you know, there's, there's, and I'm sure there's harsh feelings, just like there is any professional sports organization and players throughout, you know, history in the NFL and uh, major league baseball and so on and so forth. I'm not going to touch the MLB thing. Um, but, uh, but, but I will say that, that it's just a big 
a, a big bunch of guys who did their best and now contributing back to their own individual areas. And I'm sure there are other people like Dr. J who's doing his own thing to help others in his community and so on and so forth. So it, it, exactly. it, it, it's a consistent brotherhood. And I think that that's something like this kind of keeps everybody bound together in one manner or another. Right. It's amazing how when you see all the guys get together, they hugging each other like they just, they were together playing together last week or something. And you, some of them you haven't seen in five, 10 years sometimes. So Dr. J gave his, his basketball clinic again last year and his son plays and it, it's once a year at Salvation Army and I helped get the camp. He was there, uh, Bernard King, Dale Ellis, myself, Reggie Johnson, Cedric Tony, some of the guys from uh, around the around Atlanta area. That's that is fantastic. It's Rudy Reyes joined by Harold Keeling and his wife, Michelle. Michelle, thank you so much for giving your insight. I, I, I really think that everybody, especially those moms out there, I don't know if they're gonna listen to this. I hope they do. I hope they subscribe too while you're at it. Uh, but to really kind of gauge from from, from your perspective in, in regards to what it takes, what your mom instilled in you and all those wonderful values that that you possess that will continue to help others in some manner, in some facet, in some way. So she didn't lead, She certainly did the right thing. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. It, it's been such a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you very much. I do appreciate that. Harold, where, where else can people get involved? Is there, is there a Twitter account? How, do people, how can people contribute? Do they just go to the rallyresidents.org to contribute? What, what other ways can people contribute to this in order to help make this more of a – an ongoing situation to continue helping these these young kids. We, now we also have a Facebook for Alisa and Brothers, and Alisa spelled A L Y S S A, and brothers like brothers and sisters. And on, but our our best attraction is the uh, website that I gave to you with the RaleighResidence.org, and okay. uh, that's how people donate to us. But on the Facebook, we do once a year a. Christmas fun, which is at the end of the year, which we did pretty good. We had the biggest Christmas ever over here at Raleigh Residence for the kids. They all got a couple pair of shoes, jeans, uh, things that they need, underwear, socks. You know, at a group home, we need anything. So right. we starting from scratch every time. Sure. I'm really happy about all the things that the kids got. And they, uh, half of the kids said it was the best Christmas they ever had in their life. <laughs> because they got what they need. It's not always what you want, it's what you need. And if when you get what you need, that says a lot about your your standards. As a matter of fact, I'm, I'm going to go back two years because that's something that, you know, you again, this is something that, that's ongoing. April 2nd, you had a camp where you almost had 100 kids attend. It was a very good camp. Uh, you had a three-man weave, passing drills, and all kinds of good stuff. What was, which one was was the best, in in your opinion, in regards to that? I thought that was a really good camp, and and the reason why I thought it was good is because we had so much participation from the NBA retired players, and the kids look up to the players so much. Uh, it, it's amazing. You get the guys like the Kimbe Matumbo giving his spare time when. When he, when he comes to the camp, or we've given two basketball games at the Lovett School, which his son attends, and and he helped us out, and we had a gym full of people there, and then other players who have come give their time. I, I it has been amazing to me how guys, when you reach out to them, they're so willing to help, and it means a lot to the kids. And I, I'm so honored to be able to uh, know some good people who help us out and 
spend time with the kids and put smiles on their faces because these some of these kids will remember these things for the rest of their lives. You know, the NBA retired players went through the NBA and they donate shirts and balls and uh, all kind of different items that the kids bring home with them to bring memories. I love that kind of stuff. Well, that will carry them throughout the rest of their life, and you guys have been nothing but but saints throughout uh, throughout the challenges. You know, having your own children, then having these, and then additional kids, and you have to handle the camp, and it it I'm, I'm sure it's a huge undertaking. I don't know anything about it from from that standpoint, um, but right. you know because I, I I do have my own kids, so I I know how that goes. But to have an additional and yeah. to have a camp with nearly a hundred and everything they're in. Almost like disorderly order, in, in order to uh, <laughs> keep things right, on yes, track. I, I want to thank, thank God right now. This stuff takes a lot of patience. It's, it's some ups and downs involved. It's a little bit different when you raise your own kids from diapers. They they have uh, more discipline and, and respect and understanding. But the, the group home situation, it, it takes a lot of patience. It, it's not something that everybody could do, uh, especially after playing basketball all these years and and now dealing with underprivileged kids, you have to have patience and understanding that they don't have the same upbringing as you may have had. So right. when you get that part right there understood, you you got half the battle beaten. Exactly. And now, and now to have the ends to justify the means if you have the patience and the understanding. Exactly. You know, once you put all that together, you have a pretty winning situation. Harold, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. It was great to let people know what's going on. Please subscribe to The Rude Dog Show uh, com. You can subscribe to The Rude Dog Show on iTunes. I'm on SoundCloud. Uh, you can go to TheRudeDogShow.com. The interview will be posted there as well. Um, and, of course, I'm going to have interviews like this going on all year long. Of course, Happy New Year to you both. Again, thank you for coming on. And uh, we'll definitely do this again real soon. How's that sound? All right, Rude Dog. Thanks a lot. Have a good day. <laughs> you too. Thank you, guys. Take care. It's always great to know that you have lots of people like this, like like Harold and Michelle Keeling, who want to do the right thing, go about things the right way, and to put something like this together. It's not small. It's a huge undertaking. But imagine the rewards. RallyResidents.org. Go check them out. Contribute. Or start your own, for that matter. This is Rudy Reyes on the Rude Dog Show. Thank you for tuning in.